0: Love Talk Radio.
1: What's up? What's up? What's up? My Take Radio episode 19. I'm your host, Rich, and today is Thursday, November 12, 2009. The intro music you just heard was Castlevania, and the artist is Am I Evil? If you're interested in downloading that track and any other video game remixes, head over to ocremix.org. If you're going to call in tonight, 347-324-3541 is the magic number. A little housekeeping first. Uh, Props to everybody who's been hitting up MyTakeRadio.com. It actually broke 100 views yesterday. Uh, The page has been viewed over 2,500 times since I built it. Um, For some reason yesterday, you guys must have wanted to check out a lot of shit because it went up to 120. Uh, Today's uh, view count, as of about an hour ago, was about 75 or so. Um, Art contest will start effectively uh, for the 20th show next week. All rules will be posted on mytakeradio.com along with the prize breakdown. It's going to be a two-tiered contest. There will be a logo and a banner. Um, The measurements for the banner will be posted and as well as what I'm looking for in the logo. Um, The prizes are still being debated. I will do a first and second place prize. Um, What those prizes will be, I should have up and put together by next week and the the contest should run probably one month. I'd like to get uh the winners their prizes out prior to the holidays or at least by the holidays. Um Brooks Macbeth is my guest this evening. He will be calling in probably between 11:15 and 11:30. Uh he's a stand-up comedian, voice actor and regular actor. He um Did some voice work for Brutal Legend, which I will be discussing, as well as some of his upcoming projects. Also, got to talk about Fedor versus Rogers, so definitely stick around for that. Um, You know, I plugged that last week, and the whole card was very solid. Strikeforce did a great job. We also got the opportunity to see a little bit of the EA Sports MMA game, so I'll be talking about that. Uh, Tonight's Ultimate Fighter, uh, Justin Wren versus Big Country, happened this evening. Definitely want to cover that. Mir wants to end Brock Lesnar's career. Check that out, because Frank Mir always opinionated. um, Definitely wants to put a hurting on Brock Lesnar, and he actually made some really interesting comments. Um, Of course, the Xbox Live update, which comes out next week, covering that. Uh, Modern Warfare. Of course, it would not be an episode of My Take Radio and a video game segment without discussing the juggernaut known as Modern Warfare, which is just killing the rankings all over the place, review-wise stat-wise, sales-wise in particular, uh, the return of one versus 100. Also, and of course, some movie news, which there are quite a few. And with that, until Brooks calls in, let's get into a little bit of the MMA news. Of course, last week we were, last Saturday, November 7th, we were treated to history being made as Fedor fought in his first United States free television bout. Before I get into the Fedor and Brett Rogers' match. I want to say first off that Strike Force had a very good presentation. Mauro Ronaldo and, of course, Frank Shamrock did a fantastic job. But, of course, it was marred by that piece of shit, Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson is a douche. All Gus jo- Let me tell you this guy's commentary. During one of the fights, um, there was um, a fighter in top mount position with another fight against another guy whose back was against the fence. I believe it was during the Silva and Verdum match. Nonetheless, he was trying, uh, Verdum, I believe, was trying to pull Silva's legs away from the cage, and Gus Johnson asked, Frank, I see that he's uh, trying to pull his legs there. What what would you call that? It's like, how are you going to ask what the fuck that is when you are Calling the fucking the, the fight? Are you kidding me? It's like don't don't you fucking read in the off season? Don't you don't you take the opportunity to learn what the fuck you're doing? Oh no! Oh, what's that? His commentary is just awful. And every time I think of him, I think a fucking guy smiley from Sesame She's like, "Hi, this is Gus Johnson. We're gonna have Fedor fighting Brett Rogers tonight. Mauro, what do you think is gonna happen?" It's just like he's so hokey and so over the top. That it just disgusts me to no end. And the thing that gets me is the fact that when he was calling the Elite XC matches, you realize that he was just a totally uneducated douchebag that had no idea about the sport of MMA that was just put in there at the request of CBS. And you know what? No harm on CBS's part on trying to get a guy in there. But you know what? Give the fucking guy some homework. Be like, here, dude, watch some tape. Learn all these moves. Know what a Kimura is. Know what an armbar is. Know what a head scissors or a, or, or a triangle choke is. Learn all that shit so that when you call these matches, you don't sound like a total douche. Every time I see him on the fucking screen, I'd like for him to sell me some car insurance. It's, it's awful. You know, the fact is that he's, he's, a, he's a tool. He's just like, hi. He's just... I really am waiting for him to just knock on my door trying to sell me something because that's the vibe I get from him. But with that out of the way, I definitely got to say that Strikeforce as a whole presented a very solid card. Um, The heavyweight bout between Silva and Verdum, just great back-and-forth action. The thing that got me was that they ended up saying that the winner of that match was going to fight Fedor, which while definitely cool, I don't see it being one of those things where like Verdum has a shot, but, but Fedor is just out of his fucking mind. And with that, we got our first call, which I think is Slick. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What do you got, sir?
0: Yeah, it's just a suggestion. I did check out this week's Strikeforce event, and, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Rodgers. And, you know, I was actually hoping for Rogers to pull an upset just because I'm not taking anything away from Fedor. He's a great fighter, but I'm just tired of people sucking him, basically.
1: Well, you know what? And I, and I can understand that, and here's the, and here's the issue. There's, Fedor has a large number of detractors. He has a lot of guys that say Fedor fought tomato cans. You know, he didn't fight guys that, were test, that really tested him. But you know what? When he was in pride, he fought a lot of guys who were legendary, you know, Kevin Randleman, um, Merkel Krokop. you know, the guy has, has a good number of wins under his belt. The problem is that fighting in Japan, that shit becomes a sideshow, which is understandable. And, you know, of course he's going to fight in some really weird fights. But when you're uh, a heavyweight fighter of that caliber and your only loss for all intents and purposes came from a cut, or you know, and not from a knockout or a submission – you know, there's a mystique around you. It's like, it's like I was saying, you know, and it's a, it's a cliched phrase, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. You know, and for all intents and purposes, yeah, Brock Lesnar's your heavyweight champion, and there's heavyweight champions in various smaller organizations, but Fedor's that guy. He's the guy that, you know, it's like Randy Couture said it best. He's the guy that I need to beat to solidify that I'm a number one. It's really that simple. It's like Fedor... Is for all intents and purposes the premier heavyweight, and the and the uh, and the only guy that hasn't fought in a UFC cage.
0: Oh, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from Fedor. I personally, just looking at him, Fedor will beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar in no time flat. It's just that, like I said, like I said, I don't care how good somebody is. Just the level of blowjobbery jobbery that goes on around Fedor is disgusting to me. It's like, oh, yes.
1: But they're selling they're selling the card based on Fedor, so you know there's going to be a stroke job. See, once you get past that, you kind of like, okay, you know, there's other great fighters on this card, but Fedor is it. You know, it's like, that's what they built it around. It's like when Elite XC was around, they built it around Kimbo, which was a foolish decision because it blew up in their face. But, yep. you know, they, 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 what the problem that Strike Force has Is they haven't learned To build it around all their fighters When Gina Carano headlined The last card It was all got about the beat. face of women's MMA You know And she got her ass beat And you know what Fedor, same thing Because Brett Rogers came out And introduced himself with a firm punch to the face
0: That's right. They didn't
1: touch gloves they, they didn't touch gloves Glove touched face You know And and he was, he was pounding him out on the ground. But the only thing is that Fedor, since that fucking guy is just a, a wrecking ball, he's emotionless, like people were like, oh, yeah, Brett Rogers was hurting him. But you know what? Fedor was defending, and that's all that matters. If you're intelligently defending, yeah, you're getting punched in the face, but you know what? The shots aren't beating you to the point where you're unconscious, and that is the gray area. Like, don't get me wrong. Rogers had a shot because he's the first guy that, that lasted until the second round. But Not what just did that, t- the
0: hits that he did put on Fedor would have took a lot of guys out.
1: Exactly, but you know, that, that's just a testament to, to, to Fedor as a whole. But the Absolutely. fact is, you've got to take into account that what you know the, 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 line, the pivotal line was said by me last week. Fedor capitalizes on people's mistakes. If you fuck did. around, you're getting put to sleep. And Brett Rogers should have just kept the pressure on him because he could have bullied him, you know, because he was a bigger guy, he had a longer reach, so he could have just bullied him and, and you know forced forced that um that that the, you know that dominance on him to, to to get the fight. You know, he could have even gone a decision probably just on aggressiveness, but yeah, he slipped the way up, the man, fight went, backing away.
0: The way the fight went, if if it went if it continued in that fashion, if it had gone to decision, I think Rogers would have won. it. But he made that one slip-up, and Fado was just waiting for it. He just laid him out and props to Fatal for, for catching that because it was a split second. That's all he needed. He put one in his face, and it was, it was over.
1: Dude, the guy dislocated a, fa- a finger, knocking him out. You know what that is? You know when you, you, know when you injure your hand, busting somebody's face, the, the amount of power behind that, it must have been ridiculous. And then, you know, Brett Rogers fucking crying and shit. I'm like, "Dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? You lost. It's okay. It happens." And you know what? I want to fight him for exactly. But you know what it is? The problem is that Brett Rogers is going to go and and tighten up his game to try and get a rematch. The problem is, and this is this is testament to good fighters, you got to make sure that your game plan is concrete. Because otherwise, once again, you fuck around, you're going to get choked out or knocked out. Because that's what Fedor does. The guy, you know, he's a, he's a strategist. I watch him, and, you know, he was, he was trying to goad Rodgers in, and you can see it. And then Ro- when, he, when, when he hit Rodgers, you notice Rodgers started backing up because he's like, oh, shit, this dude got some power. So, you know, that, that, that he was waiting, he's like, you know what, Let, let's feel each other out. Okay, you're going to come charging, and that's fine. Oh, you broke my nose. Good, good, you know, that's, that's good. And then it's like, okay, now I'm gonna hit you. And Brett Rogers was like, oh shit, I just got hit with a brick. <laughs> you know, so he's gonna back up, and then he backed up, and he wasn't. He just got caught looking. He was like, oh fuck. And then fado was, you know, when when it was too late, it was a fist to the face, putting him to sleep.
0: And that's one thing I think Rogers really has to tighten up his defense. Just get a little bit. He has to really tighten up his fighting style. It looks a little bit sloppy to me, but one thing that I definitely get to because Fedor is very much known for choking people out, like you said, putting them to sleep and making them tap. Fedor locked about three holes on, on Rogers, and Rogers powered out of all three. He said, fuck that. Well, you are not yeah, making but, me submit.
1: That's right, because he had a good, he had a solid game plan. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, Everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the face. The exactly. minute you get punched in the face, the game plan goes out the window. It's like, it's like if you're in school and the guy says, all right, meet me outside at 3 o'clock, we're going to fight. You're saying to yourself, all right, we're going to go out there and hopefully I'll kick his ass. But you know what? The game changes if you punch that guy in the face first. You're like, oh, shit, I might be able to fuck this guy up. You know, It's just one of those things where you know Rogers went in feeling good, and he started off great. And then reality set it in. And he's like, holy shit, I'm fighting a dude who is an animal. He's not human. And that's what happened. He just got caught out there. I got no I got no um, disrespect for Rogers. He went in there. He did what he had to do. And, you know, Silva and, and Verdum, Verdum has, you know, he's got good uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He showed great stand-up. He might be able to go in there and do some damage. But, unfortunately, at least to me, I see Fado whooping his ass, too, because it's like you have to have something that's just dominant, you know? But with that said, I think I got uh, the guest on the phone. We'll, We'll finish this up right after I'm done with him. Not a problem, man. Talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. Rooks, what's going on, dude?
2: Richard, how are you, sir? Uh, i got to be honest, when you say that when you're done with me, it's, it has a little bit of sexual inc- incompletions right there, and I'm like, wow.
1: Um,
2: how you uh, doing, I, big I, dog? Uh, you
1: talking about some UFC? What you doing? Yeah, we, um, usually I open it up with the... Uh, with the uh, with a little bit of MMA talk, and we were talking about Fedor fighting this week, and I didn't uh, I didn't bring you in for it because I didn't know if that was something that you were you were you watch. Uh, I uh. am
2: I am a fan, but I am not an expert. I'm just happy to be here, man. How's your night going this evening?
1: Ah, uh, everything is great, man. Everything is good. Um, good. Definitely, I'm definitely not an expert either. It's just one of those things I watch, you know. And it's a little little armchair quarterback, you know. It's one of those things where you know we sit around and kind of talk shop about it, you know.
2: I love that. Uh I have tried to fight and what I have found is my best remedy is I bring a rape whistle with me
1: <laughs> and and
2: I blow it as hard as I can and I scream, "Don't rape me." And uh that seems to work.
1: Hey, there's not there's nothing wrong with that. Some of us some of us are built to get punched in the face. Some of us are born to blow a rape whistle. It happens. Yeah.
2: Or or get donkey punched in the face. What you know, you know what I'm saying? What's up Big Finfen? Fan?
1: Yeah, it happens, man. It happens. But um I actually <laughs> wanted to talk to you about Brutal Legend. I know you did some some voice work for that, and I wanted to uh, find out, you know, what kind of voice work you did, because I've played the game a little bit, and I was just, you know, I've I've watched you live, so I know your voice, and I'm trying to see how many people did he voice in the game.
2: Uh, Rich, I did four uh, of the characters, and uh, I, I do Headbanger number one, uh, I do one. I do one of the characters, which is which is great, by the way. So headbanger number one. I'm actually down in the diamond mines, banging my head against the rocks to go and get diamonds for like my master. Nice. And uh, and, and Jack Black's character Eddie, uh, who is a roadie, comes down and rescues us and basically says, "Hey, you know, guys, you could have a better life, man. You know, stick with us, you know, and learn the ways of uh, heavy metal." And so nice. we go on our adventure and. Now, Rich, you have played the game, right?
1: Yes, sir, I have.
2: Uh, it is like, like no joke. I've probably done three or four video games. It is one of the most beautiful, like artistically well done. It's one or two of the guys from the Spawn uh, comic books that that did some of the artistic work with Tim, and uh, it's. I mean, it's really like it's gorgeous to watch. Don't you think?
1: Well, I think graphically the uh, game yeah. was just really. Hello, cool what was that? that? I said graphically the game was really well done. It was, it was an interesting presentation, especially considering that the way that it was drawn, the, the characters, the sprites looked really clean and really crisp, especially in high def. Like, it's one of those games that the colors and the, and the grunginess were shown really well on, on high def television. You know, it's one of those things that was a godsend because a lot of times these games are done and, you know, they sell you on the gameplay, but when you're playing it on a good TV, it looks like utter shit, you know? Absolutely, man.
2: Uh, and here's the great thing. So I went in the first time. Uh, I did two pre-reads. And then when I went in, they brought in sketches. And they kind of said, this is what we're looking at. And uh, of course, I kind of have this meathead voice. That's what I always kind of work at. You know, instead of, like, being the real intelligent guy, I'm always the dumbass. And it's like, yeah, we're going to make this happen. Come on, here's what we're going to do. You know, that, that sort of yeah. Nice. And, yeah, uh, and they brought in some things, and, and we just voice matched for a while, and, uh, and they were really, really cool, and they were like, you know, the artists themselves were like, you hey, know, let's watch you a little bit. Uh, we want, like, the veins to pop when you're fighting, things like that, and, uh, and I appreciate that. I think that's cool as hell.
1: Also, oh, they, wanted, they wanted to capture a little bit of you in the character that they were creating. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, and well, and here's the thing. So, in the actual game itself, is all name names. I'm probably one of the only non-name names. So it's, nah, uh, it's Jack. Don't,
1: Black. don't be so modest, man. Don't be so modest. Hey, you, you, no, it's all you're goody, a, man. You're a funny you're motherfucker, motherfucker, man. Come on.
2: Yeah, no. When when you're dealing, hey, by the way, uh, completely different topic. Uh, my Malcolm in the Middle episode from like eight years ago just fucking aired on TV. So I have $3.50 coming to me. (laughs) Nice. So I am happy as hell. I was flipping through the channels. I was like, oh, shit, that's me. Okay, good. I was very, very happy. I got 3 bucks, man.
1: Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Every little bit helps.
2: Hell, gee. In the game itself, it's uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Jack Black, uh, Metallica, Lemmy from Motorhead,
1: Yeah, I heard Lemmy Lemmy in there a little bit. Oh, what was that? I heard Lemmy in there a little bit. I think uh, Lita Ford was in there. Tim Curry did some voice work, right? I think Rob Halford, too?
2: Yes, yes.
1: The only person
2: that I got a chance to work with personally was Jack Black, and he is such a cool motherfucker. Like, he is such a great guy.
1: Hey, man, his Tenacious D uh, monologues were always uh, key to me. There were some really funny ones in there.
2: Like, so I definitely,
1: I like him, you know, he does good work Some, when he's yeah, motivated, and, then, and here's you know?
2: the thing is, a, a guy like that who's an A-lister, you know, you, you don't have to spend time with the other people working on your project, but it's definitely appreciated. And, uh, you know, dude pulled me aside before I was going into the booth, and he was like, I want you to voice like you've never voiced before, okay? You know, I want you to, <laughs> oh, I want you, you know, like, and uh, we're joking around. And nice. he left. And then came back a couple minutes later and said, you know, I'm sorry, I forgot to say goodbye. I Appreciate what you're doing, and uh, you know, that's that's a class act right there. You don't you don't have to do that. I'm getting paid for what I do, and it was just nice that that he kind of said, oh shit, I left, dude. That's working on my game. You know, forgot to say goodbye. I'll come
1: back. That's good, man. I mean, you know, you don't get a lot of those a lot of guys, especially when you get you know higher higher rung actors. That go and they do the uh, video game voice work. You you know you don't really hear too much in terms of their um, rapport with you know their co stars in the game or you know things of that nature. So I think it's actually really cool that he approached you, man, because you know you're you're coming in there doing your thing and you, as far as you know you're doing that and you're and you're under the impression ah, I'm not going to meet any of these guys. So it's really cool that he came at you the way he did. You know that that's a real noble Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, and, shows... and
2: the fact that he was kind of like. Uh... He did his thing, he knew I was the next session after him, and uh, we got a chance to talk for a little bit, and, you know, like, when people do that, it's just a huge difference, because I'm like, man, I want you to succeed even more, you know, you seem like a class act, you seem like a cool fucking dude, really appreciate it, you know what I mean?
1: Hey man, that's uh, always good. You know what? He'll remember. You know, you, you, you know, he might have a gig. He might be like, "Hey man, that dude Brooks does good voice work or whatever." You know, so it's always good. It's yeah. a great networking opportunity.
2: Absolutely, I'm on uh, I'm on tour right now with Joel McHale. Who uh, Yeah, you're doing does, Iowa, right? Uh, yeah, I think we're doing Iowa, and I think I don't know if we're doing Arizona for New Year's. I'm not sure about that yet. But uh, he's he's another one of those guys. Joel is one of my dear friends. Another one of those guys that has done very, very well. You know, he's got two hit shows on the air right now. And when you see him with people, he's a class act. You know what I mean? And When you guys,
1: when you guys were doing stand-up, you guys were – you guys killed and you guys were just – Great with the fans, you know, it, it was great, you know, I think that that's one of the things that made me a fan of yours, you know, you came out there, and, you know, I, I hadn't seen your stuff at all, you know, like, I was new to even seeing Joel live, you know, I've only seen Joel right. in the soup. so, you know, I expected a lot of soup humor, man, but when you came out, and, you know, you were cracking jokes on the kid and all this stuff. It was it was cool because you know you brought an an everyday Joe brand of humor to, to to the presentation. You know a lot of these guys they come in they're real stuffy they work the same material. Your material was fucking gold, man. Especially you know the Sham Wow stuff. And when I found I out say, you, were Drew, do, you know, yeah, when I was hey, finding uh, out you were doing game work, I had to I had to have you on for that. You know especially. Sure, I'm thrilled to, I'm thrilled to be
2: on here honestly. Now hey, the theater that uh, that you saw me at was a uh, theater in the
1: round. Is that right? Yeah, it was uh, Westbury.
2: Uh, Westbury, I gotta be honest with you, that is one of the best theaters I have ever played. And we've been doing we've been doing a full tour, so we've probably done I don't know, eighteen cities or something like that. There is something about that theater. Anybody, I know that you're national on your show, but anybody near the Westbury, that is the best place because theater in the round, man, you feel like it's so intimate and. It's such a better show. Do you agree with me? Because it's like, it's unbelievable. I could look, I could look up, you know, I don't know, 80 rows to 100 rows back and feel like I'm just having a one-on-one conversation with anyone.
1: Oh, let me tell you. I mean, when we were there, we were uh, second row. So we, so we were up close, man. And it was great. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen stand up there. I've seen, you know, I've seen wrestling there. You know, it you know, it's a good intimate venue for that stuff, man. And I think you know, it was it, it was actually really cool. You know, it was a really good uh, presentation. I definitely want your your schedule so I can put it up on the site as well.
2: Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Here's here's the weird thing. It's like I normally like headline smaller clubs. Of course, Joel. Uh, when I'm with Joel, we do like it's uh, it's got to be close to three thousand people right around there. Uh, and you always feel like, man, people paid a shitload of money to come to this show they need to have their own individual experience they need to have like an experience that they really go damn do you remember when we saw Brooks and Joel you know even if they don't even remember me you know what I mean it has to be a one night in a lifetime and when you're in some of these bigger places you don't want to just phone it in you know what I mean you don't want to just be yeah you don't want to be like oh man And I know I get into some trouble, especially with the promoters, because I'll be like, fuck it, I'll run a little long, and let's talk to some people in the crowd. And and they're like, don't do that. Just, you know, just do the safe shit and get off, and, you know, Joel will do his stuff. And that's what I loved about the Westbury, man. That was the first theater that you could look up and see someone, 600 people back, and just be like, dude in the green, what's up, man? You know, and just like, and everybody knows exactly who you're talking to.
1: Oh, it was great, man. I mean, you know that that um, that show turned the corner. It introduced me to to your comedy, and like I said, you know, the more I found out about you, and especially re- relating to you know a lot of the game stuff that I cover on the show, I'm like, oh man, I definitely got to link up with him. I, you know, the first after I saw you, I emailed you on Facebook, like, hey man, you that w- that was awesome. You know, you made a fan out of me because, like I said, the, hum- the humor was good, man. It was it was straight. It was no bullshit. It wasn't canned. You weren't looking for canned laughs. You know, you weren't trying to sell nobody. You just went out there and, and you killed it, which I enjoyed, you know, and that's why when I found out you were in, in Brutal Legend, I was like, all right, where is he, where is he, where is he? So you were saying Very that tight, you, had voiced, you had voiced four characters. Who were the, uh, the other three? So the other three, when your
2: character gets into trouble, uh, they gave me the names of them, but uh, when your character gets into trouble, you get to summon this deity, and it's this dude that shows up with all these speakers on his back. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay, I don't know. I don't know what his name is, like something like Saul or Solomon or something like that, Solomon or whatever. Uh, You summon him, and basically while you're trying to recuperate, uh, I build a wall of speakers between you and your enemy and and give you a chance to rest. That was my impression. Nice. Am I right?
1: Yeah, he was. He pops up in there and he gives you the assist so that you and you use the other uh, speakers to blow open doors and stuff and to knock out like a larger uh, amount of enemies.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I'm that guy. I'm Headbanger number one. Uh, I am one of the ZZ Top looking dudes. Okay. And and I am one of uh, the glam rocker guys.
1: Nice. My main, now what, other, my main thing, what other what other was that? Whoops. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Say it one more you time? No, no, no. I was oh, saying, right, no. So I'm one of the
2: ZZ Top-looking dudes, and I'm also, I think it's one of the Glam Rocker guys.
1: I thought that might, have been one, that might have been you.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, what the, what's hysterical is the, the best thing about doing a damn voice for video games is you have five adults in a studio And everybody is debating what it sounds like when you burn up from like lava. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like like literally there are I love the fact I used to write for Mad TV and we would have we would have long, like heated discussions about what's a funnier number, six or eight. You know, and and I'm like I'm like this is this is the best. That's the my favorite moment of all this shit is when you're sitting there, and they go, they go, okay, so now you're gonna get killed by lava. And I do it a couple of times, and they're like, I don't know, uh, let's make it a little more real. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't I don't know what lava killed sounds like. You know, what I mean, like if someone's getting crushed, like if you're getting crushed by like a boulder. And you go, oh! it's just like a quick, does that make sense? Like a quick, oh, it just Yeah, but it's a,
1: it's a quick hug uh, and it's over. It's a wrap.
2: Yeah, and it's different. Like if you get stabbed and they want you to do like a five second, oh!
0: Oh! <laughs> you yeah, know, things cool. like
2: that. But, but literally I was laughing because they're going, no, that's not the lava sound. And I'm like, well, I don't know what the fucking lava sound is. Uh, yeah, how fuck
1: are you supposed to figure that shit out? That it, kind of I have head. never been
2: burned by lava. Um, <laughs> and so we just tried a bunch of things, and it was uh, great. Those that, The nice thing about this was these people were very, very passionate about the game that they were making, and they really – the guy, Tim, that made it from Double Fine Productions, he is a gamer and was like – I will sacrifice certain things to make it more beautiful for the player, <laughs> you know, shit like that. Where you go, all right? I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm on, I'm on your journey. I don't care, dude. That's great.
1: What other games did you have you done? Now I got to start looking for you in fucking games. Now, what other games did you do? Uh,
2: I did a few army games. Uh, that's, I'm always meathead, dude. That goes. You're right, Sarge. We gotta make this happen. You know, it's shit <laughs> like that. It I, is, uh, <laughs> I used to be the voice of Walmart, and I got a huge backlash on that shit. And, uh, by the way, your favorite? oh, hey, Rich, I got something to tell you. You care if I ramp for a second?
1: Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay, have, do you
2: have the Burger King Tiny Hands commercial out where you're at?
1: Oh, yeah, there's two versions of it. There's the one where the guy is holding the burger to feed him which I thought was really homoerotic but funny. And then there's okay. the, one where they pull up, the, the one where they pull up and they're afraid to go in. And he's like, I have these tiny hands.
2: Yeah, so check this shit out. So I did a couple of the next, uh, next spots for the Burger King tiny hands guy, right? And I get a call yesterday. Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but who gives a shit, right? Uh, right I get a call actually, yesterday. They canceled the spots. Because people born with deformities of tiny hands
1: have complained. Oh, holy shit! Are you kidding me?
2: No, and so they called me yesterday morning, and I was like, "I was like, you gotta be shitting me. It's not like it's not like you're born with a wing. It's the dude just has kind of small hands." Yeah, that's not- and, uh And they go, "Sorry, we uh, we canceled it," which. Oh, that's money out of the pocket, you know what I'm saying? But that's all right. Oh, yeah. Fuck it.
1: Well, well you know what it is? I, I, I've, I rant on this quite often, and I just say it's, it's the pussification of America. Because everybody's fucking sensitive about something. It, and it's like, it's a little dude with little fucking hands. Who gives a shit? Really? Exactly. Is it really that serious? It's a fucking hand. Who cares?
2: By by the way, uh the next show, where where are Joel and I gonna be at the next show? Is it Iowa or Illinois? Uh
1: you said it was gonna be at Iowa.
2: Iowa. They have triple checked with me and I had to sign a clause saying that I'm not gonna be vulgar.
1: Oh well yeah, you're you're kinda in the Bible belt so I can see that. Yeah, but you don't know, hey, you know me, man. It's like, you know, like So they don't want any talk
2: about marijuana, no talk about sex, no talk about uh, masturbating, anything.
1: Holy crap, dude.
2: Yeah, and that's all I do is smoke weed, have sex, and masturbate. So Jesus.
1: Oh, yeah, they're they're, they're fucking gutting your act, man. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, and I understand where where you're coming from that you got to kind of go around and, and and hone your craft in all these different towns. But when you walk in there, it's like they have to know that you're getting what you're getting. Exactly. they They shouldn't castrate your act. You know, it's one of those things where, look, you have the option of not listening, you know, but that's what happens. Everybody's way too fucking sensitive for their own good.
2: I agree with you a thousand percent, man. And, uh, so they hired Joel, and then they saw who was coming with them, and they saw some shit uh, that I had online. Um, Brooks McFadden well, on O'Reilly YouTube, you guys can watch it for yourself, O'Reilly, whatever. O'Reilly. And then they O'Reilly. called up directly, and they were like, you know, it has to be PG-13. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I won't swear. I won't, you know, I won't do anything bad. I'll just, uh, you know. And they were like, no, no talk about sex, Nothing.
1: Hey, man, that's, that's crazy. I know that when uh, we were going back and forth on Facebook, you told me that you were doing that uh, that spoof, the spoof film, that Slumdog uh, Virgin film, which has, a, has been, the title changed a few times. Is the Slumdog Virgin the official title now? Uh, I don't
2: know what the official title is. It is, it's the same camp, but it's not the Wayans Brothers that do these spoof movies. Oh, okay, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is it's a uh, Slum Dog Millionaire meets super bad, meets Forty Year Old Virgin, meets uh Sarah Marshall, meets all kinds oh, of shit, okay. right?
1: Oh uh, yeah, it's one of, it's one of those spoof movies where they're spoofing the newer uh, comedies that are out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh I gotta be honest with you, man, this is my first uh like major feature release and I'm thrilled with it. I have the tiniest part ever and don't i could me, give
1: man. a shit uh, Hey, man that's, that that hey it, every little bit helps you know what and the more you build your credit it's like you know that that's great man i mean that you know i personally think that it, you know every little nugget will help build to something bigger so i think that you know even though it's a bit part man it's a bit part that you're going to be seen in across the fucking country so don't yeah, downplay and I'm that
2: thrilled shit. With, and, and hey, honestly so i am uh, i'm 36 Uh, you saw me in person, and if anybody wants to see me, just like on on, online or whatever, it's Brooks McBath. Uh, you know me, dude. I'm goofy guy next door, and that's exactly what I play, and I don't give a shit, right?
1: Except for the progressive (laughs) commercials. Well, yeah, exactly, dude. I mean,
2: like that's everything that I book. They go, oh man, this guy hasn't won yet, but we're rooting for him. You know, it's it's shit like that that. I go, of course. So for this. For so this part, I'm a news anchor, and they wanted, for this movie, they wanted uh, a guy that was mid-40s, chiseled L.A. newscaster. And my agent got me in and just said, you know, take a look at him. And, uh, all right, so <laughs> I'm just going to ramble, okay?
1: That's all right, dude.
2: All right, so the part is... After forty years, uh, the Slumdog Virgin finally gets to be with a woman, and when he when he releases, he ends up shooting her across the room with fluid, nice. and ends up breaking down the wall of of his apartment, and it just it's a fire hose. It just keeps flooding out. Okay. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, I've I've seen, I've seen that. They've used they've used that gag in something else. But yeah, at, like anything else, anytime a sight gag is done appropriately, it doesn't matter if it's fucking recycled. <laughs> Absolutely,
2: I don't give a shit. I was like, all right. And so, after forty years, you're gonna have a little pent up juice. So, uh, so then you cut to an old man. He is uh just polishing his convertible, and he's thrilled with himself. And then it gets flooded. Uh, and then you cut to Kim Jong Il, trying to set off a nuclear warhead, and it gets flooded. And then you cut to me, and I'm uh, reporting about like 200 acres of wildfire. And I get flooded, and it just, and by the way, it was a one take deal. They go, Ah. here's the deal. They go, here's the deal, man. We got six buckets of this goo, and we're going to ruin this set. And I have a nice suit on and shit like that. And they're like, we got
1: one take of this. Oh,
2: dude, you know what that feels like? That did they shit give you some is clothes. was that?
1: Did they give you some clothes like, did you get dirty? Did they give you some clothes at least?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's all their wardrobe. It's all yeah, everything. But they were like, they were like, here's the deal. Once we dump all this stuff, we can't shoot here for another 5 hours.
0: Oh, so shit.
2: So let's make sure we nail this. So when I went in for the audition, uh I walk in and I meet with the people and they go you're a little younger than what we were looking for. And I just sat down with the casting director. I go, hey, do you have any questions? Yeah. um, I have never been intimate with a woman. (laughs) So I would guess that the joke of the scene is the amount of semen coming from this gentleman. And... Both of the casting directors just looked at me, just horrified, and then their assistant started laughing, and then they all started laughing, and then we all just loosened up. I did it a couple of times. They were like, "You're our guy."
0: I was like, "Thank, Thank God." God.
2: Amen. Yeah, nothing so, wrong with that. So, but, but, Rich, how do you tell your mom? You go, "Hey, mom, I got my first movie. Uh, I'm getting dumped with like ten gallons of some guy's cum."
1: Amen. So It depends on the mom. I honestly, I honestly think if the, mom, if the mom is cool, she'll be like, all right, fuck I it. Was gonna say, I was just going to say, your mom has no
2: problem with it, but I was like, no, man, come on.
1: Now, I, let me tell you something. My, my, my mom, you know, she's deceased. She went with me to get my first tattoo at 14. So oh, that, me saying that. that, that I, is yeah. as
2: hell. that is cool
1: as hell, man. What, hey, what is the tat? Oh, it's a, it's a lion on my arm. Okay, nice. Nice. Yeah, so. You know, it's one of those things where I said to myself, you know, if you walk in there and you say, hey, I'm going to get, uh, you know, a, a bucket of, a, of 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 jizz thrown on me, it's just a matter of, of she's going to ask, is it coming out of a guy? Are you gay? Or, exactly. That nothing? was the first thing
2: that my mom was like, like, this isn't like an adult film, is it? I was like, no, I do that shit in my home. What? <laughs>
1: You always got to throw a little spike gag in there. Your mom would, you know, and, and they always second guess you. Like, they give you that real uneasy laugh.
2: Because, because I'm, I'm proud of you. A
1: little shaky laugh. I
2: don't think I'll mention to you, Doris, what you're doing, but I think that's great.
1: Hey, man, well, I'm really excited that, you know, you're, 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 you're hitting mainstream, man. You're hitting your stride. I'm surprised you didn't, that you didn't try and, ca- and catch a gig with Joel on Community, man. You would have been great uh, for that shit.
2: We are, uh, he's going to find me something. So you'll see me on there uh, by the end of the season. We're just kind of trying to figure out what the right, the right part is, and uh, I will be on there hopefully by the end of this season. Uh, it just is getting very good ratings. It just got picked up for their back nine, so he's really, really happy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 you would be a great fit because it's good that it, there's such an eclectic cast on that show. And you know, you, you come in, you can you know, as long as I don't fucking make you play, you know, stoner dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as I give I, you give you something with a little bit more meat to it, at least I'll feel I'll feel happy, you know, because I don't want I to I would love that. Him. Are you shit like honestly and that was the thing is we had a
2: couple of things pop up and we said, you know, let's go ahead and wait for something that might be a little bit more uh you know, something with a little more longevity, so nice. That that's,
1: Rick,
2: that's
1: I just you know, I
2: just think you're a big pimp ass. That's all I'm saying.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I mean, you know, we it, – it's funny because, you know, I have a – there's a chat in progress. I do you know everybody, everybody's in, in, enjoying uh, your call, man, so it's really cool. I'm actually very, very glad you took the chance to call in, you know? Absolutely, uh,
2: and I just hope people appreciate uh, – I am so thankful for anything that uh, that I'm able to do that's creative. And, uh, yeah, I – I swear to you, within the next year, I will be back at Westbury, and I'll do a solo show. I'm just trying to figure out how to make it happen, but that was my favorite place to play. And after the show, uh, I hooked up with some locals, and they got me drunk, and, uh, you know, (laughs) it
1: was fun. They were like, oh, shit, you're not from here? Oh, dude.
2: You know, bam. Nice.
1: I, um... I'm so sur- you know I'm surprised that you know because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of comics in the a lot of clubs in the city I'm so sur- you know when I noticed that I only saw you guys at Westbury and I didn't see hear back for you that's why I was asking you know when are you guys do in New York again you know because even if you even if you're doing a gig in the city man I'd I'd go and see you you know and I'd put it on the site and shit and promote. Hey, I I
2: really honestly appreciate that. I man, uh, here's the deal. I prefer acting, and writing, and I write for different shows, and things like that, and I hate, dude, I'm just telling you, man, I hate being on the road for too long, because you go, and there's only so much booze, and so much shit that you can get into, and I'm like, I like my dogs, I like having a house, you know, shit like that, but you just go, and I have have friends that are road comics that are much better, like, strong headliners, and I'm like, I am thrilled when I can go to a city and have a really fun... Like, a couple of months ago, I, had a, I was doing a casino, and an old man who was a little too inebriated, I was doing some religious material, and he came <laughs> up and took a swing at me on stage.
3: Holy shit. And
2: to this day, like my buddies, I don't think it was my best show ever, but they, they talk about it You know, every couple of weeks. Like, do you remember? And my buddy is screaming at the old man, Kick his ass, old man!
1: You oh, know, my like, God.
2: You know, and, and like, honestly, like, people have talked about that show for years where they go, wow, dude, like, you're never going to forget that. And I love experiences like that because there's something about live comedy when, you know, what was it, two weeks ago I went out there and there was a bachelorette party and there was a three-foot-long cock cake sitting on the front table.
1: Oh, that must have gone over well. But you know what it is? There's always, there's always the bachelorette. Um, you know, because I I listen to a lot of different comics. You know, I listen listen to ONA. I listen to Jim Norton. You know, a oh, lot of different Jim, guys. Jim
2: is Jim is hysterical, man. Are you kidding yeah. me?
1: Yeah, Jim what is a, Jim is a beast. Fucker. Yeah, he um he always rants about you know the. The, uh, the Bachelorette Party. So whenever, whenever I hear any comic talk about Bachelorette parties, I know it's always going to be something either really hysterical or really awkward. And usually the, uh, the, the, the the Bachelorette ends up getting called the C-bomb, and it always ends badly. So every time, you know, every time I hear that, I, I'm always expecting a, a good story. So, of course, when you're telling me that the, the Bachelorette had a, had a Don cake, you know, it's a little... Uh, yeah. And you're absolutely right,
2: and, uh, and I do not mean this to sound sexist, but, like, for Bachelorette parties, the Bachelorette, it's her night to shine, and she thinks she's the show, but what she doesn't realize is uh, the other 250 people that paid 25 to 35 bucks a head to come in, don't give a fuck what you have to say, Jessica. You know? And so it's one of those that you go, yeah, we can play for a little bit, but at some point, it's not your show and with guys they'll most guys will turn like to be pissed off but they'll just handle it you know or whatever we have security and shit like that but girls man like you know if it's her night and they're wasted man it it can take a really bad turn
1: yeah i mean you know it's one of those things where it's a uh, it, it's a catch 22 because you you can go out there and and do a set and you run that risk of really having somebody just spaz out on you.
2: Like what, what started the other night, and then I'll I'll wrap because I don't want you I don't want to be rambling on on your show. But uh, the other the other night, I go out there and I was just talking to this girl, and I was like, "How shitty are your friends? This is your bachelorette party. You should have a cock in your face right now." You know, what the fuck are you doing? You know, looking at me telling jokes. And I did this whole, like, interactive thing about they're going to go out for dessert later at night. You know, oh, it's so crazy. Oh, yeah, it's you, a
1: weeknight. You know, yeah, and. You good Crowd work, man. Your crowd work is gold.
2: Well, thanks, man. That's, I love, that's the absolute best thing to do because let's meet some people. And if we get into that really crazy, awkward place, you got to work your shit out. And I love that. Because, like, Rich, honestly, like, the entire crowd is sitting there going, get yourself out of this. See if you right. can do it. And I'm, and I'm like, all right, fuckers, let's do this.
1: That's it. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, man.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just saying there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's the that's the best way you do it. You play off of uh, other people's comedy. And, it, you know, it, it shows, you know, because that's one of the things. There's a give and take involved in what you don't want to do. Is you know if the person is you know kind of sensitive, they're gonna they're gonna show it. You're gonna see it. You know, a a good comic will be like, all right, this isn't a a good target. But you know what? Sometimes the soft targets make the best targets. You can't avoid it. Absolutely.
2: And I think I think I don't know if it was the same show, but it was in that swing where there was a hot chick with uh, with large breasts in the front, and I started talking to her, and the dude next to her boyfriend,
1: yeah, the uh, big.
2: What's
1: that? The big meathead guy, Joel Man. Yeah, the big shirt. meathead like and he's wearing like a tap out shirt or a Hardy ultimate fighter yeah, shit, shirt. And I'm like I'm like, why why
2: would I pick this? This is the worst situation, but it's so much fun. Who gives a shit?
1: Yeah, but you know what? If you go and you sit in the front row and you 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 have anything on or around you that has that isn't material, you got to be ready for it. And you know what? You can't walk in there and get tight in the ass about a, a, a comic busting on you because, you know what, you're there to see the comic, and if you're part of his act for five minutes, you just made his five minutes of stand-up a lot easier. Absolutely,
2: and I hope, I hope that anybody that comes to see me, it's never mean-spirited. It's always kind of like, hey, let's uh, let's have a fun, weird adventure together. You know what I mean?
1: Indeed, man, indeed. That's that's fucking badass. Well, but before I uh, I let you go, just 'cause I wanna, I, I got an hour and uh, an hour and thirty nine minutes 'cause this show is time. They'll boot my ass off the air. Um, I wanted to just uh, get a couple of plugs out of you. I know you you told me you're doing uh, December fifth in Dubuque, Iowa with Joel. Um, what else you got? Anything anything sooner? Uh, I got a couple of
2: commercials popping right now. Uh, you'll see me in Sears, but they it, it seems like Sears likes Brett Favre a lot better than me right now. So I don't know. And, oh, I was going to say I had a frickin' Burger King, but apparently deformed small hands people, like, don't like my shit, so whatever. Uh, Yeah, what else we got going on? I'm going to be up in Seattle. Uh, Seattle, I think I'm doing a couple of shows, like, the week of... I have family up in Seattle, so I'm going to go up there December 21st through 27th. So I think I will be doing one or two shows at the Seattle Comedy Underground. And... Besides that, man, uh, you know, I got, I got a couple of TV things popping here and there and just, uh, you know, just plugging away and trying to make this shit happen.
1: Nice, man. That's awesome. Um, last but not least, of course, um, you got, uh, myspace.com, Brooks the Comedian and myspace.com, Brooks macbeth if people want to look you up and you got the YouTube channel, uh, uh, Honestly, Brooks,
2: Brooks macbeth on Facebook is the best place to reach me and I'm sorry, like straight up, I apologize about my MySpace. Uh, I know people hit me up on it, and I have been very lax about it. Uh, Facebook, I am much much better, and I have a new website, Macbeth dot com. So, Gosh,
0: hey, honestly, was, hit me up, and for that. I am
2: uh, I am so available. And even if you're just a fan of Joel's, uh, I'll try and hook you up with some shit for Joel. And uh, uh, man,
1: I, I, I like I like your economy. You know what? I like Joel, and I actually I'll tell you my my wife why put me on to Joel cause she watches the soup and I took a liking to Joel because he always shot the, shot the guys. And I thought that shit was hilarious. So when she um, told me, Hey, he's doing stand up, I was like, fuck it. Let's go see it. And you know, I was expecting the soup live. And then when you came out and lit it up, I was like, wow, this guy's fucking awesome. And, you know, oh, she,
2: thanks,
1: and, um, you know, Joel came out, he did his thing. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Joel's material, you know, in the real world, because you're used to seeing that shit on TV. And, you know, I'm more than sure, you know, he gives him a lot of shit for the stuff he uses. But I like that, you know, he's anti-establishment. Same thing with you. You came in there and, you, you know, it's like you came into the wolf's den and you did what you had to do. And, you know, I appreciated that. You know, that's how, that's how you got you made a fan out of me. So, you know, whatever right. you need or whatever you want to promote, you're, you're, you're welcome to stop through My Take Radio to promote it, man. Hey, you, you don't know
2: how much I appreciate that, and just to let people know, anytime you come and see me, um, it is different than the soup. Uh, like I, just, I would feel awful if people are expecting the soup, because uh, my shit is much more blue-collar. How would you define it? Blue-collar, slack, or whatever you want to say?
1: Yeah, you got you got a little blue collar, but you also got a little bit more real world humor, and you're and you don't play with the, with the political correctness. I mean, to anybody who's listening right now, you know, Brooks Macbeth is a, is a is a real dude. It's not any kind of canned humor. He, it's not recycled shit. He's real current, and definitely go to all his places. You know, all his different websites, particularly Facebook, of course, and check him out on YouTube.
2: Hey, Richard, I will definitely continue to support the show. I just appreciate you having me on, buddy.
1: Yeah man, I mean check out uh send me your schedule, I'll post it on mytakeradio.com man, and you know whatever you need if you're in New York and you know you you want to fucking hang out or whatever shoot the shit, drop me a line man, you know you're always, you're always welcome in my city man.
2: I would love that. We'll we'll definitely talk tomorrow man. I appreciate it. big time.
1: All right man, thanks for calling in bro.
2: Oh you bet man, have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you everyone.
1: All right man, peace. Peace. All right, that was uh. Brooks Macbeth. If you guys want to look him up online, you can go on YouTube. Punch in Brooks Macbeth. He has his own channel. Uh, look him up on Facebook. Uh, let him know. You know you like you liked his stuff. Um, he's a really cool dude. He he communicates with his fans. Um, he has the two MySpace pages. Like I said, it's MySpace.com slash Brooks Macbeth and MySpace.com Brooks the comedian. I mean, he's not updating it like he said, but definitely go in there. His his Bill O'Reilly skit hilarious. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of great stuff and i really hope that you know his his acting gigs take off man cuz he's a, he's a real funny dude and definitely any uh my take radio listeners that are in any of the places that he's going to go to you guys should stop and check him out cuz he is a funny motherfucker anyway with that said let me hop back into these MMA news like i was saying we were discussing prior to Brooks call the uh strike force with Rodgers' and Fedor. I'm just going to run through it a little bit. Um, Silver and Verdum, like I said, was a number one contender's match, and last, uh, you know, lastly it was uh, Verdum winning via unanimous decision 29-28. Um, he's going to be next in line to fight Fedor. Fedor unfortunately ended up sustaining a, uh, a dislocated uh, finger, I believe, in his left hand, as well as a broken nose, so he's going to have a cast on. He'll probably be out for six weeks, but him and Verdum are definitely going to be next. Um, the other fight was a light heavyweight bout with uh, Gegard, Musasi, and Sokaju, which I expected Musasi as much as people, he's another one that they kiss his ass like Fedor. Um, he comes in and, you know, he, he comes in and he's much like Fedor, emotionless. He's just real stoic. He came in, and I'm assuming he probably thought that he was going to run through Sokaju, but Sokaju definitely came out fucking swinging. He had crisp leg kicks. He had great stand-up. The only thing that fucked up Sokaju was when the fight went to the ground. Uh, he, di- he didn't know what the fuck to do with himself. He was like a deer in the headlights. He's like, holy shit. You know, like, oh, my God, I'm on the ground. What happens now? And Musasi ended up pounding him out for the TKO in round two. I definitely think, though, that it was a great showing by Sokaju. Um, I definitely hope that he can tighten up his ground game because he, he can be a force, man. He, he's got great knockout power. His stand-up, like I said, really crisp against Musashi, but the, but the ground game was fucking heinous. He just got put to sleep. Uh, the vacant middleweight title bout was between Jason Mayhem Miller and Jake Shields. For those of you who watch MTV, you'll know Mayhem from Bully Beatdown. Um, him and Jake Shields had a great fight. Um, Mayhem came out to one of the uh, craziest entrances I had seen in a long time. He had fucking dancers and shit. He was dancing. And uh, she was, uh, you know, he the dancers and the entrance were just fantastic. Overall, the, uh, the fight, I had never really seen Mayhem fight, I'm going to be honest with you. But, fuck, did he make a fan out of me? You know, round one, real close. Um, at one point, he had Shields in a choke. And I, I really thought he was going to put Shields out. But Shields got saved by the bell. And it was funny because Mayhem had that choke in for at least ten seconds, man. And it was it was close. And then, you know, rounds four and five, the championship rounds, you know, Shields comes back just fucking putting on a, just a ground clinic. He was taking advantage of his strong wrestling background to, you know, just be a real dominant force. And, you know, he was doing his thing. At the end of the day, though, I think that, you know, he, he showed a lot of potential. Mayhem definitely got a fan out of me because, he, you know, it was funny when they were having a lot of ground exchanges. Mayhem was just, like, chilling, like, fucking putting his arms up, smiling. Like, the guy was really enjoying himself genuinely. And I think that if, if those guys had another rematch – I don't know, man. I kind of see Mayhem pulling out the upset. I don't think Shields was prepared for Mayhem to come in there and, and you know, step his game up. Usually Shields runs through a lot of guys, but he, Mayhem surprised me, man. I definitely want to see him fight again. And, of course, the fight of the night was the uh, heavyweight title bout uh, between Fedor and Brett Rogers. Uh Round one, like I said, Rogers introduced himself to Fedor with a with – a, Fucking punch to his face and it was funny too because brett rogers had a six inch reach advantage so he came in there you know just just ready to to make some work happen but the fact was like i said he kind of fucked around a little bit dancing around in round two and you know he he was working the tight clinch and when they separated man fedor huge right just separated brett rogers from his fucking consciousness it was ridiculous but overall it was one of those things where the fight was what I, I honestly expected Brett Rogers to get his fucking ass handed to him. But the fact that he had such a strong showing definitely showed me that he has the potential. I think if there was a rematch and he tightened his game up a little bit, he would do really well. The fact is that it would, um, it's one of those things that will work well, For the future, I think Brett Rogers should take this loss not just as losing, you know, there's no shame in losing to a guy who's considered the best fucking motherfucker on the planet. But I think that in due time, Brett Rogers can be a force. I think he just needs to tighten his game up a little bit. And I I give him a lot of respect. You're talking about a guy who worked in Costco, you know, a year ago. And now he's, he's he's fighting, you know, a year or two years ago. He was working in Costco, putting up tires, I think, or Walmart, one of them. But his story, you know, blue-collar guy, hustling, trying to do what he's got to do. And I, I respect what he did, man. And, you know, no harm in fucking... You know, suffering a, a, a fatality at the hands of Fedor. No harm in that. And I definitely look forward to the next Strike Force card, which should be December 19th, which will have the return of Kung Lee. He's going to be fighting Scott Smith. Uh, Matt Lindland's going to be fighting Jakari on that card. Uh, the debut of Muhammad King Mo Lawal, which is another guy that, if you're not familiar with King Mo, you should definitely look him up. Just ridiculous, over the top entrances. Just. He's just a real funny dude. If you're a fan of, of Rampage, you know, when he's fucking people up and not when he's a coach, definitely look up King Mo. He's, he's very similar, just, just a, great, a great athlete. And I think he's going to be a welcome addition to uh, Strike Force And also Robbie Lawler is going to be on that card as well. And you'll be able to catch that uh, December 19th, and it's probably going to be on Showtime. The tickets will probably go on sale, I believe, this Friday if you're in the California area. Um, at the beginning of the show, I took the opportunity and said that Frank Mir um, wants to end Brock Lesnar's career. And, you know, Frank Mir, he talks a lot of shit, and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with him. But he, um, he came out recently and did an interview for the Fighters Only website, and he said that his, he, his main goal before he retires is to end Brock Lesnar's career. He said the following, and I quote, Really, it's what I think about all the time. Brock Lesnar exploited a huge weakness in my game, and no matter who I crush after this, I have to crush him to show I've improved that weakness. It's nothing about how he talked to me in my last fight. I could care less about that. If I took it personally, there are other ways to handle a situation like that outside of the cage, but honestly, I just want to fix what was exploited. He went on to say, if you're a true martial artist, you don't do it for the money or for the titles. You do it to be the best human being possible. And if someone exploits a weakness, who better to see if you fixed it than the guy who exploited it? Getting the title back, it's a nice, novel idea. And even being the heavyweight champ or interim champ, I got to be honest, I didn't really feel that different walking around. Some people think that with the belt, that's what made you, but I don't think so. You didn't you didn't make shit. You want to fight just to fight just the fight happened to have more rib- bells and whistles than usual. Bottom line is, it's about testing yourself. Now, a lot of people are going to say that Frank Mir was just talking shit, and you know what, Frank Mir, he he's a great shit talker. You know, he's a fucking he's a pretty boy. But I I have to admit, when he fought Brock Lesnar, he he he's citing exactly what happened with him and Brock Lesnar the first time. He exploited the weakness of Brock Lesnar in the UFC. You know, he caught him with a leg lock, and he submitted him. Brock Lesnar, of course, unfamiliar at the time, not knowing how to handle that, you know, did the correct thing, and he tapped. Then, you know, Brock Lesnar went and did exactly what Frank Mir's talking about. You go, you find the guy who exploited your weakness, and you test yourself again. And regardless of what happened post-fight, Brock Lesnar took the weakness that was exploited And proceeded to just smash Frank Mir for, for the majority of their fight And he showed that that weakness that was exploited Didn't exist Now that's not to say that he's going to be uh, He's going to be caught up again Because you know what Shit like that can happen But the fact is That I think that if they do fight again The fight is going to again end differently It may just end You know with a KO at the end of the day, there has to be a rubber match between those two guys. But unfortunately, they're not going to be the ones um, fighting next. Actually, um, Dana White announced that uh, Nagara and Kane Velasquez are going to fight at UFC 108, and the winner of that fight will fight the winner of Lesnar versus Carwin. I think that if Lesnar retains against Carwin and fights Nagara, I think Nagara is going to beat Brock Lesnar. Nagara has a tight ground game. Um, he has good stand-up. The guy's, you know, the, his only real decisive loss to me in the UFC was against Mir. So I definitely think that that's going to be a great showing for him. I mean, if Kane Velasquez gets in there, also a, a great fight. But I don't see Cain making that much of a dent against Brock Lesnar. That's just my personal opinion. I think Nogueira has the best shot, and UFC 108 is going to happen January 2nd. Um, from the MGM Grand in Vegas. Uh, Rashad Evans is going to be on that card. Joe Lazan is going to be on that card, as is his brother Dan Lazan. But in talking about that, the next UFC main event that I care about is UFC 105, which is this weekend on free TV. It's going to be on Spike TV, and the main event is going to be Randy Couture versus um, Brandon The Truth Vera. It's going to be a great fight. And once again, it's just Randy Couture continuing to just want to fight the best out there. And if, if you got Spike TV, definitely check it out. Um, anybody from the U.K. that's listening or from Ireland can watch it on ESPN. Um, you got also Mike Swick and Dan Hardy fighting. The winner of that fight is going to fight George St. Pierre. That's going to be a great fight. Uh, Bisping is coming off of that devastating loss against Dan Henderson. He's going to fight Dennis Kang, uh, James Wilkes the winner of The Ultimate Fighter. He's going to fight Matt Brown. Ross Pearson, the other winner of The Ultimate Fighter, he's going to fight Aaron Riley. Just a great card, and it's on free TV, man. So if you got Spike TV, definitely check that out. And um, also, for UFC 106, Spike TV is going to continue showing the uh, preliminary fights, which I think is a great lead-in to UFC pay-per-views, showing the prelim fights on free TV. One of the things that I like is the fact that Spike is doing great promotion for the UFC because a lot of these preliminary fights, sometimes you really want to watch them. Like for UFC 106, I did want to see uh, Ben Saunders fight Marcus Davis. But, you know, if the the fights go long on the pay-per-view, you may not see them. So I think that Spike is really smart right now in doing that. It's a great marketing ploy. It makes Spike look, you know, better in the ratings. And it's just another way to continue to give MMA to the masses for free. Before I close out the MMA segment, um, there's a rumor that Matt Hughes is going to be fighting Renzo Gracie at UFC 109, which is February 6th. Um, If I can confirm that over the next few weeks, I will report on it and give you guys all the details. With that said, let's go into the wrestling segment. Um, First off, I'm going to say that I refuse to watch any WWE programming this week just because it is the same recycled shit all the time. You know, I thought that, that the Ozzy show, you know, where Ozzy hosted Raw and Snoop Dogg hosted Raw. And even when Nancy O'Dell and Maria Menounos hosted Raw were all great. You know, they were great. But, you know, Ricky Hatton hosted Raw this week from the UK. And it was just a fucking circus. I, I, you know, I mean, ECW was from the UK and... Regal was fighting Christian for the belt. I thought Regal was finally going to win the ECW title. That shit didn't happen. Uh, SmackDown, usual bullshit. I mean, as much as I try to give them credit, I'm really not even going to acknowledge any of the shows from this week. I refuse to do it. The only thing I will be checking out is Raw on Monday because Roddy Piper is going to be hosting it, and uh, Roddy Piper, of course, is battling cancer currently. I don't know if he put it back in remission, but... Definitely want to see the Hot Rod host Raw from MSG this Monday. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, who knows, and, and it's an awful thing to say, but it, it might, it, you know, if his cancer is really that bad, it might be the last time you see Roddy Piper. So, you know what, I want to actually see him, you know, healthy and happy and continuing to contribute to the WWE product. Um, December 14th, they're supposed to be having Dennis Miller host Raw. I don't know how I feel about that. Supposedly, they're going to bring back the Slammy Awards because it's going to be a three-hour Raw December 14th, but eh, we'll see what happens. The only good thing to come out of all the bullshit that's been happening on WWE television is they started setting up the Survivor Series. Uh, they're going to have three traditional Survivor Series matches, which are supposed to be five-on-five. Uh, five. Uh, they got a uh, team of John Morrison versus Team Miz, uh they got a Divas match. They got Team Kofi versus Team Randy Orton and uh Rey Mysterio versus Batista. Batista's finally a bad guy and not for nothing. It couldn't have come at any time sooner because he's getting stale as shit. Uh the Undertaker is gonna fight Chris Jericho on the big show in a world title match and uh the WWE title is gonna be uh, the same guys as always, John Cena, HBK and Triple H. So uh, while I don't order many WWE pay-per-views, I'm, I like how Survivor Series is shaping up. The only thing that annoys me is the fact that th- it's just fucking a lot of rehash shit. So, you know, what What do you expect? And to close out the wrestling news, Linda McMahon officially resi- resigned from the WWE effective November 6th. Uh, she's no longer director of the company because she is going, of course, to be, Running for the United States Senate to represent the state of Connecticut, I think that at the end of the day they um, she had to do it. it's one of those things where every time and it's happened already that she would be trying to talk politics, they would show a raw clip or they would show some type of uh, some type of wrestling clip and you know just reference the fact that you know she she was the director of a company that you know, did a lot of subjective things, especially if you're, you know, trying to go out there as a a Republican, you're going to get a lot of flack for a lot of the subjective material. I think it was a smart move on her part. I mean, Vince and Stephanie McMahon running everything is a, uh, I think it'll it'll work for now. I don't think that, and I'm going to be really honest. I think Linda McMahon has zero chance of winning a seat in the United States Senate, but you know what? Politics is just as much of a fucking circus as wrestling is, so I wouldn't doubt that that's going to happen. With that said, let's close out the wrestling segment. Let's talk video games. Um, Of course, the big thing, Call of Duty, everywhere I look, Call of Duty lunchboxes, Call of Duty fucking controllers, uh, throat mics, toys, action figures, video footage, oh, you name it, it's everywhere. Of course, in the midst of that, Activision took the opportunity and, and announced that, along with some of their new titles, they will be coming out with another Call of Duty game, and, there are, of course, another Guitar Hero game, and another Spider-Man game. Supposedly, um, they're going. the next Call of Duty game is going to be, guess where it's going to be? Good old World War II. Because, you know, there's not a million other fucking things that you can do than continue to rehash the same old shit. It's ridiculous. I really think that they really can find other things. You know, why don't you go to Vietnam, do shit like that, or, or something, you know, bring it up a little bit. Do, you know, do Iraq in the 90s. Do something. You know, going back to fucking World War II is getting really old. But what can you do? I think that they're just taking a formula that they, that they know and love, and they're just going to run with it. Me, personally, I think that I'm fucking tired of seeing games based on World War II. Uh, Joystick reported this week that 1 versus 100 will be returning for a second season on November 19th at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time. The new season is going to run 14 weeks, and high scores will help determine who's going to be chosen as contestants for the show. Um, I got a bit of a – I played a little bit of 1 versus 100 when it came out initially, and the fact of the matter is that I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, especially in a group setting if you're playing with a lot of, of, of your friends. And I think it's going to be very successful, and the initial one was successful from start to finish, especially when they threw out that they were going to start giving out prizes. I thought that that was a step in the right direction from Microsoft. They need to continue doing shit like that because if you're really trying to push community-based gaming, then you know 1 versus 100 is the perfect opportunity to showcase that. I think it's fucking flawless. Um, I actually was looking at a little bit of Dante's Inferno. I've heard a little bit about it, and it seems that they will be releasing a demo for it next month on Xbox Live and the PlayStation Store. So if you've been looking at Dante's Inferno and it's piqued your interest, guess what? You will be getting uh, a demo that you can test out effective next month. And, of course, With DJ Hero, Band Hero, and Guitar Hero 5, Activision recently filed for Drum Hero. Oh, yeah. According to MTV Multiplayer, they have decided to uh, expand into the quote-unquote Drum Hero franchise. Look, you got fucking bands, DJs, guitars, and fucking drums. You know, what's next? Fucking Pan Flute Hero, Kazoo Hero. How about Xylophone Hero? How about that? You're going to fucking charge people 100 bucks for a xylophone and 100 bucks for a fucking pan flute. Because at the rate it's going, they're just going to continue milking the fuck out of this to the point where people are just going to get so disgusted that they have 19,000 fake instruments that they're just going to stop buying them, and then they're going to have to jump onto something else. I think that you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's too much of a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I like Guitar Hero. It's a great game. When it started fucking getting into the fact that to play the game with a group of people, it was going to cost you nearly $200. Don't get me wrong. I was one of the sheep that bought fucking DJ Hero for 200 bucks. But you know what? It's a very enjoyable game. Um, anybody who's played it, Slick has played it. Uh, my wife has played it. Um, a good friend of mine, Rob Profit, he played it. Everybody says the same thing. Great soundtrack, great game. And I think that if you've got a group of people over, it's a fantastic game to play. I just don't like the fact that they're capitalizing on it with all these bullshit things like Drum Hero. Why the fuck would you release Drum Hero fucking Activision if you got Band Hero and Guitar Hero 5, which have, guess what, fucking drums? Why would you do that shit? It doesn't make any sense unless you're just putting the game out and letting people use the instruments they already got. I don't understand... The logistics in that shit, I personally think it's stupid, and it's just, like I said, it's going to water down Activision's success, especially when you're putting these games out with these accessories that push the price of the game over 100 bucks. I mean, eventually, and, you know, it's starting to happen, I've noticed in a few articles that I've read, the amount of people purchasing games that are over $100 is shrinking. Because you know what? If you add a little bit more money, you buy a fucking console. I, I, you know, I bought DJ here. I paid two hundred bucks for it. And if you really want to get technical, if you add fifty bucks, you could buy the fucking Wii. That that's really it. It's like I thought about. It, I'm like, holy shit! For a little bit more money, I could have bought a Wii. And you know, I already own it. But when I came to that realization, I'm like, look, this shit is getting out of fucking control with these two hundred dollar or over a hundred and fifty dollar games. It's it's disgusting. But what do you expect? I think that they're just going to keep milking it and milking it until, like I said, the only way we're going to get anywhere is by showing our frustration with, you know, with them by not paying. That's how it is. Of course, the big thing that I was hearing about all day today was about people's, uh, Xbox consoles getting banned. It seems that a, a small percentage of Xbox live users were banned between 600,000 and a million users. That's not a fucking small percentage. um, As of May 2009, Xbox Live had 20 million members. So, you know, to them, yeah, a million is a small fraction. But a million people is a million people. And, of course, their their excuse was, you know, piracy and modding of Xbox 360 consoles. And right off the bat, I can say that, look, I'm all for modding your consoles. But there has to be an air of common sense. If you mod your shit, don't go online with it. Buy another Xbox, an arcade system or whatever, use that to go online. Don't go online with your good Xbox, you fucking morons. Transfer your saves to the other one, and then go online, and then you don't get banned. You see all these people pissing and moaning, oh, I got banned. What the fuck do you think is going to happen when you mod your shit? Microsoft isn't going to find out? It doesn't make any sense. You, you know, if, Look, I've modded systems. I have systems that are modded. It happens. I remember when I modded the original Xbox. When I modded it, the guy said, look, it's modded. Don't go online with it. Okay, no problem. What did I not do? Go online with it. Because common sense dictates that they're going to fucking find you. So those one million assholes that were banned for having their shit modded, fuck you guys. Fuck you because common sense should have fucking prevailed, and you should have said, let me not go online with this shit. And I knew that a huge amount of people were going to get banned because when Call of Duty was breaking Street Date way too early, you knew something was going on. And I'm more than sure, you know, there are a lot of mom and pops that broke Street Date. I should know. I know a few of them. And, you know, of course, it prompted GameStop to break Street Date. That's fine. But when you're playing the game two weeks before a mom-and-pop store even has it, there's a fucking problem. And if you're going online with it, you are a fucking moron, period. There's no no way to defend that other than you're a fucking boob. That's it. I think that at the end of the day, you know, people are, you know, they're mad, but you can't be because Microsoft is doing its job. It's telling you that, hey, you mod our systems, we're banning you. We're not, not allowing you to play, but you just can't play online with everyone else. So those 1 million guys or girls that got banned, I don't fucking feel sorry for you. And, of course, more Call of Duty. Um, it seems that Modern Warfare has sold 4.7 million copies in its first day of sale in the United States and U.K. alone. That means that 3.5 million units were sold in the U.S. and 1.2 were sold in the U.K., that means that the, the revenue, allegedly, is $310 million. It's ridiculous. You know what? That's more than some of the highest grossing movies that have been out. That's like, you know, that, that's Dark Knight money. When a game is making $310 million, and, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful thing because it shows that, you know, we're passionate about quality gameplay and great titles, but it's also bad because it puts the big eye of, you know, Hollywood and other, and other avenues that are going to just squeeze that nugget to try and capitalize on the popularity of this stuff. You know, I, I've already discussed in previous shows, you know, the Call of Duty movie, because you know it's going to fucking happen. And just the fact that these successful franchises are – going to continue you know, generating this kind of revenue, they're not going to not notice. Uncharted 2 gets props because it broke a million, it sold a million copies in the last few weeks that it's been out. But like I said before, what's going to happen? An Uncharted movie will happen, they'll probably ruin it, and that'll be that. That's the way shit goes. And of course, that's going to lead me right into this month's NPD numbers, which of course, are the telltale sign of how things are going to go into the holiday season, and you guys will be surprised by some of the numbers for the month of October. Um, of course, with the price drop, the Wii came right back up to the top of the ladder by selling 506.9, well, 506 million units. Up, oh, 506,000 units. Sorry, uh, the PlayStation 3 sold 320,000, the Xbox 360 sold 249,000, and the PlayStation 2 still up there. 117,000 units. In terms of handhelds, it's no question that the DS was going to be number one. Of course it is, with 457,000 units sold. The PSP slash PSP Go have only sold 174,000 units. Now, the DS, not surprised by the numbers. The Wii surprised me that it came up to the top, but you know what? Cutting the price is definitely going to help. But the other thing that is 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 ridiculous? Is the fact that during the month of October, a lot, you know, a, a decent number of titles came out. So it bugs me out that they didn't, you know, that it didn't help move any of the higher end consoles. But you know, Nintendo has a strong uh, marketing strategy, and they're just gonna they're gonna capitalize. Like you know, I'm more than sure that the, when the MPD numbers come out for the month of sub- September, um probably Xbox 360 will be up there with, and Call of Duty will be the number one game. But who knows? In terms of the top 10 software titles, um, Uncharted was number one. Uh, It sold 537,000 copies, which is now a million based on the previous article I had read. Wii Fit Plus was number two at 441,000. Not surprised if you own a Wii balance board. The game is only 20 bucks, so it's a no-brainer. You're going to buy it. Uh, Wii Sports Resort, uh, actually Borderlands for the 360, came in with 418,000 units. Wii Sports Resort came in fourth with 314. NBA 2K10 was in fifth. Halo 3 ODST, 271,000. Not bad. NBA 2K10 on the PS3, 213. Forza 3, 175. Kingdom Hearts for the DS had 169,000 units, outselling FIFA Soccer 2010 for the 360, which sold 156,000 units. Now, of course... In, in referencing that, like I was saying, Call of Duty is definitely going to be number one next month. And what's happening is that stats are coming out that Call of Duty sales on the Xbox 360 are outselling the PlayStation 3 version of the game two to one. Um, one of the reasons, of course, is going to be Xbox live. Uh, Modern warfare strength lies in the Xbox live um, application. I mean, The PlayStation 1 has already been marred with problems. People were complaining about uh, lag issues, connection problems. Meanwhile, the load for the Xbox Live servers showed no issues on Tuesday, despite it being the largest day that 200, well, 2 million concurrent players were on at any given time. That means that if you logged on at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 1.30 in the morning, 4 a.m., there were at least 2 million people playing Call of Duty on Xbox Live. Uh, PS3, of course, got hit with a server outage yesterday due to the high demand to play Call of Duty online. I mean, this is a testament that's showing that the Xbox Live service continues to be superior. I mean, of course, it's going to be said that it's expected because you're paying for it. But on the same token, if you're trying to compete then you should have a system that's comparable. I mean, the PlayStation Online system is nice, but it's not great, and it's definitely not um, moving that aspect of the PlayStation 3 forward. On the contrary, um, Xbox Live just continues to evolve. Of course, next week uh, on the 17th, you'll get the update that will give you Facebook, Twitter, Last.fm, and Zoom HD Marketplace functionality of which I'm definitely looking forward to Last FM, especially if you can add the music to any of the games that you're playing. And also, um, the Twitter functionality uh, is eh, going to be hit and miss, but the Facebook functional- functionality, fuck, I can't talk tonight, is important just because, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are on your friends list on Facebook that are probably on Xbox Live that you don't even know are on it just because you've never asked. And I think that this would allow a lot more community-based gaming, and I think it's a step, honestly, in the right direction. Well, I think I'm Call of duty out, and that's going to close out this week's video game segment. Let's get into some movies. Off the bat, of course, you know, one of the things I always talk about is the fact that everything that was cool from the 80s uh, seems to be finding its way into theaters, you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Voltron, supposedly, Masters of the Universe, of course, things of that nature. Now, the newest one, according to Get This, the Wall Street Journal, is that J.J. Abrams is in negotiations to produce a movie about the Japanese toys known as Micronauts. Uh, Those toys came out initially in 1974 in Japan as Micro Man. Abrams stated the following Sometimes when someone is not a celebrity and you are casting them in a role, everyone who is in a seat of authority, voices questions about the actor's talent, sex appeal, looks, ability, their everything. But then they get the role and suddenly they are on the cover of every magazine and nobody questions those things again. In retrospect, everyone says, of course, that person is a star. I think that, of course, J.J. Abrams was doing the hard sell because unless you're a, a, a comic book fan or a kid, you have no idea about fucking Micronauts whatsoever i know about micronauts because as a kid i read a lot more comic books than i do now and i remember seeing micronauts comic books i also have seen lots of micronauts toys on sale at various conventions uh nonetheless looks like we got our caller and i'm assuming it's probably going to be slick let me see yes it is slick you're on the air what's up man what do you got sir
0: you know, the the same old rage from rehashing movies from the 80s, like you said.
1: Of course. Well, I think that the thing with Micronauts is it's old enough that not too many people know about it. But on the same token, you got to take into account that it's it's a, it's a niche thing. You know, it's something from fucking 1974. So unless you make it look really good, you know... It, it, nobody, nobody's going to give a shit.
0: I don't really jump on the movies that haven't been done before. I mean, even if it's based on a comic or like a toy series or anything like that. But when you put up the post about Clash of the Titans, the Clash of the Titans, I, I, I'm just not feeling that, that trailer that I saw.
1: Well, you know what? In, in, in sticking with that, uh, I'll do you one better the reason I put up the trailer for the 1981 Clash of the Titans was to give people an educated look at what they're, what they're going to see and what it was based on. Because see, a lot of people are going to see that trailer that have zero idea what it is. And they're going to be like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. You know, like the, like 300, you know, if you don't know the source material, initially you're going to just think it's awesome. You know, I knew about the 300 just because, you know, it was something that was mentioned in class when I was a kid in history class. And it's one of the things that's in comic books because I right. read a fuck of them. You know, there's, there's adequate source material out there that can help move a brand forward. When you get into something like Clash of the Titans, you're talking about something, once again, you know, it's an 80s thing that only a select few of us really, really know about. To the, to the regular masses, you know, everybody under the age of 25, they're going to be like, wow, man, it's like fucking Troy. You know, like, that's their basis. You know, Troy, the 300, Gladiator, that's what they're going to base it on. They're not going to realize that this is a remake of a movie that's a fucking classic.
0: And that was my big issue. It was, like, the trailer basically is just focusing on the action. It's giving you no idea what the story is about. The whole thing with the trailer was Titans will clash. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not even really what the movie's about. I mean, right. the only clue, like, let's take a 16-year-old gamer that's never seen the original. Probably, you know, probably somebody in that demographic wouldn't have seen the original. Nope. The only thing that's going to possibly click in their head if they have brain one is the word Titan. They're going to think maybe God of War 2, God of War 3, and maybe put something together from that.
1: Yep, because that's their that not for nothing, that's probably their exposure to Greek mythology. God of War is probably as far as they're going in terms of Greek mythology or maybe, you know, an Avengers comic book or two with a Hercules or Ares or or anything that they've seen recently like Kevin Sorbo as Hercules. Like that's probably what they're gauging it by. You know, that, that that's their measuring stick. At the end of the day, I think that when you take movies like that and, you know, Micronauts is a great example. When you take movies that are that old, you need to give a little bit more info in terms of trailers and presentation. That way a new generation will be like, oh, that looks pretty badass. Oh, it's based on that? Nice. You know, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's all about cutting the pieces together that will sell you on a movie. How many times do you complain when you see a, uh, a trailer for a flick then you go watch the movie, and you're like, fuck, man, the best parts were in the trailer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it happens, that has happened, it happened it more
1: than once. Exactly, but you're sold on 20 seconds. If movies were 20 seconds long, every piece of shit trailer we've seen would be up for an Oscar. It's just the way shit is. When I saw it, I went in there with the, with the knowledge that you have a movie that, you, that I saw – a thousand times that I still watch. If it's on America's movie on, on American movie classics, I want to see fucking Burgess Meredith. I want to see an owl made out of solid gold. You know, I want to see a fucking uh, a winged horse flying around. I want to see Medusa because that's shit that I knew about as a kid. You know, you want to see that stuff. And as as a as a grown up now, you kind of enjoy seeing some of those things brought to life. Like I said, you know, I always tell you that I enjoy seeing things from my childhood being modernized and introduced to a new generation. Now the, the thing is whether they do it right or wrong, that's, that's a whole other story. And that's another thing, because I happen
0: to know somebody who, who used to be in charge of like making those trailers. He works for another company now, so he doesn't really do that anymore. But on your site right now, like back to back, you have the Clash of the Titans remake trailer, and then you got the trailer for Kick-Ass. And it's like, night and day like on one hand you have the right way and the wrong way to do a movie trailer
1: right yeah. but on the same token you have to look at it that kick ass is it was a labor of love because if you read the backstory to the making of that movie they didn't even want to finance the movie for the director because they felt that the source material was too violent it was done way too it was too inappropriate and he had private investors help him make the movie and then of course he found a distributor the, the the fact is that when you're creating a project out of love and you're investing 110% of yourself into it which is one of the things you know if you were listening that I was telling Brooks about you know in terms of like the small role in his movie is the fact that these guys when you're passionate about some shit and you want to get it you want to you want to get it made you want to have the masses enjoy it and be exposed to it you want that shit to be 110% accurate and when movies are, are done like that as a labor of love or, or as something where you want the viewer to, to feel, you know, the enjoyment you felt in working on it, those movies always do well. But when you start, you know, blowing your load on special effects, you're going to realize that at the end of the day, you're just making nothing, you know? You're making something that's eye candy but has no residual value or substance, you know? That's one of the things that you always should talk about with Transformers. It, it visually impressive. In terms of substance and residualness and, and overall feeling that you enjoyed it, you had zero. And that's that's that may happen with Clash of the Titans. You may see it and come back and then be like, you know what, Rich, I saw it. Fucking they 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 did it wrong. They might, you know.
0: Like I said, I I have a feeling they will do it wrong, and I would love to be wrong about that because. Just as much as you do, I love that movie. And I'm looking in the chat and people are talking about Flash Gordon. I'm going to say it right now.
1: They're going to remake that, that too, it, so.
0: Oh, God. Yep, I'm saying Flash. it. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. It's going to suck. Why is it going to suck? First and foremost, because, because the Freddie movie. Freddie Mercury's
1: dead he can't do the soundtrack.
0: That's, that's a very big issue right there. Queen is no more. <laughs> and that's one of the main reasons why it will suck, because that soundtrack was unbelievable and made the movie. The movie was not – it was purposely done campy. It wasn't made serious at all. It didn't take itself serious. It had horrible special effects, and that's the thing. They're going to try to make it have great special effect, and it's going to fail because they're going to try too hard to make it good.
1: Well, you know what it is? You have to take it into account, and this is one of the things that, that you know, I, I, always, I always look at it a little bit more critical because – I try, to, I try to look at it with, with the eye of, okay, this is going to translate well into screen, just on the basis that, as, you know, like I said, it, it's seeing my, my, my childhood brought to life before me. Now, with that, you have to expect there's going to be good and bad and liberties are going to be taken. You want to know why? Because a lot of people don't reference the shit from the 80s, at least the ones that are writing the shit. One of the things that made the first Transformers movie, you know, beloved by a lot of people was there was, you know, between the transforming sound effect and, you know, the dialogue from Peter Cullen and, you know, there's always going to be detractors. You know, Starscream wasn't a pussy like he was supposed to be. Uh, Where was Soundwave? There's always going to be detractors. But what made that movie successful in my eyes was the fact that they went into the source material and they worked their magic and tried to make it work as best as possible for a new audience. That's the thing that's going to happen with Clash of the Titans. They're going to go in, they're going to pluck out the source material, they're going to be like, all right, this is how we're going to do it. Cool monsters, check. Hot girl in distress, check. Dude cutting people up and killing monsters, check. You know, that, that's how they're doing it. They're not really digging into the story. So, you know, when you are talking about something like Flash Gordon, they're going to go into, they may not use the 80s movie, as their basis. They may go into the TV serial from back in the day. They may go into the comic books. They may go into Defenders of the Earth territory, you know, where he was with the Phantom and all that shit. It's all about what source material, or they may just be like, fuck it, we're going to create something original but use the same ideals to move the movie forward. I You know, I try not to shit on this stuff just on that basis because as much as I shit on Hollywood for their lack of creativity, if somebody's out there trying to introduce it creatively, I want to give them a shot before I shit on them. It, 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 it's the only fair way to do it, at least for me, you know?
0: If it was a Flash Gordon versus Ming the Merciless movie with an entirely different story, I'd give it a shot. But if, right. If there's any inkling that it's trying to copy the 80s movie, I would basically shit all over it.
1: Of course, but you know what it is? You, you have to give it that opportunity. I, I, you know, one of the things that, that got my attention was the use of the word teaser with trailers. See, because when you're doing a teaser, you're going to take as much of the greatest shit as possible to wet the palate to get people interested. And when I looked at the Flash the, uh, the, the, the Clash of the Titans trailer again, I said to myself, this is going to, this got my attention to want to see the full trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it did. We got to show you stuff. You know, we got whatever, 20 seconds to blow your mind. We got to sell you on a multi-million dollar movie in 20 seconds. Go. And you know, you got to, you got to account for that shit. So I'm going to wait a for a full trailer and B till it comes out. Cause I'm definitely going to go see it. And I'm actually going to probably go and plunk down 10 bucks to go see it in the theater.
0: Yeah, it's not a point down 10 bucks for kick-ass, but I hear what you're saying.
1: There you go. Well, I I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyway, let me run through the rest of this stuff. Um, There's 50 minutes left. You can call back, if anything. All right, man. All right. See you around. Peace. you. You're on the air. Who's this? It's
3: Hyena. Hey, dude, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Just gotta practice racing home, in hopes I can catch your show before it ends. Well, I've been I've been hearing you talking about Clash of the Titans and making a remake.
1: Yeah, I put the uh, the trailer up on uh, mytakeradio.com.
3: Okay, I I totally dig it. I mean, like the things that like you know like when it, when it comes to Greek mythology and shit like that. I mean, I grew up on Clash of the Titans and Jason the Argonauts. You know, the whole claymation, uh, uh, you know, action scenes and whatnot. But I mean, like if you just take all that apart, you just, you know, listen to this, you know, the actual storyline, it's pretty, pretty epic, you know, and if they make it's it sure, dark, I mean, so, yeah, man, oh, I mean, like, I, I've been noticing trend in, like, a lot of remakes, you know, it's all about the seriousness, and kind of, you know, it's kind of dark, I don't know, I, everyone wants to go like, dark, it, yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, take uh, Star Trek, for instance, you know, I mean, it's, it's all serious and it kind of has, it's, it's, it just feels dark.
1: It's true. I mean, you know what it is? It, and, and this has been the trend and I've seen it even in descriptions for movies. Everything has to be dark. You know, the Superman movie, the, the last one, that, that steaming pile of shit with uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, you had to go yeah. dark. You had to go dark with it. You know, fucking, you could do a movie about Gumby and Gumby has to be dark and Gumby has to be emo, and he has to have psychological problems and conquer his demons, you know, and, and fight the blockheads. Like, like, everything has to be dark. And, I, you know, while it's fine when it's applicable, you can't do that with everything. It loses, it, it loses its luster. That, that's how I see it. I mean, either, it's, either, it's either you go with the source material, you go dark, or just don't do it and save yourself the aggravation of angering a legion of fans, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's how I see it. Yeah. Did you I check the trailer? I mean, I mean,
3: not, not. I mean, like, not, not today. I haven't seen it. But uh, you, you also mentioned that there, there's a possibility of a Flash Gordon movie too.
1: Yes, there are uh, rumors of a Flash Gordon movie. There's been a uh, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been like every time I get news about it it's like, all right, we're working on it. And then whoever it is drops out or they just stop um, putting news out about it. But they are going to do a uh, Flash Gordon movie.
3: Ah, That will be interesting.
1: Yep. They also want to do a Lone Ranger movie.
3: Lone Ranger movie?
1: Yep. Supposedly Johnny Depp was interested in playing Tonto. How the fuck is that?
3: I don't know, man. I mean, like, nowadays you got, like, a lot of white actors that are playing a lot of, like, Asian roles. I mean, look at... Prince of Persia. I mean, yep. how many of those main actors?
1: <laughs> What's up? I was going to reference that. Jake Gyllenhaal I, looks the furthest thing from a Persian I've ever seen. Don't get me wrong. He got shot with spray tan and bronzer. You know he did. But yeah. it's like, dude, y- you don't. You don't look Persian at all. You don't. I, would think, I mean, the lead uh, the lead girl uh, so. is English. The lead chick is racist. The lead, uh, the girl that's playing the lead, the love interest, she's English. Yeah. You know, it's what do you expect, man? It's one of those things where you you got to just wait to see if it translates well into screen. That's
3: true. That's true. And I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a flip of a coin. It's always a flip of a coin.
1: That's it. I mean, you know, I'm gonna wait for more full trailers because, like I said, and I was. Telling this to Slick and who called prior to you, you know, it's all about the teaser is exactly that, the teaser.
3: Yeah,
1: you know, it's one of it's one of those things where you gotta either a wait for a full trailer or b go to see the movie. That's
3: true. That's it. Hey, did you talk all about right, uh, the men that stare at Gochet? Yeah.
1: No, I did not, and it was, it was interesting that you called, because I know that you had given it a, a glowing review, and it looked funny, man. The fucking scene with the feigning goats got my attention. In terms of me going to pay money, not so sure. But, it, uh, you know, George Clooney's special project movies are always funny to watch. I mean, one of my favorites was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, you know, about Chuck Berry, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was fantastic. You know, he had a great cast in that. So, you know, those special interest movies, I never really go and plunk down money to see them. But I do end up seeing them.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely recommend. It. It's it's hilarious. I mean, if you got like a loose sense of humor, it's kind of like it's a lot of like that, you know, what the fuck humor.
1: Yeah, I'm more than sure. I mean, you know, uh, you, they had a, just a great cast. You know, Spacey playing the straight man was really good, and you and McGregor playing the foil to um, Clooney's character was fantastic. You know, but. It's one of those things where the right ensemble cast is always good, but it's just that when shit isn't blowing up or things aren't getting killed, it's really hard to sell a movie unless, you know, there's something else driving it.
3: That's true. Well, no, you not know? necessarily. I mean, look at, a well, yeah, I was going to reference uh, Superbad, but it did blow up a cop car.
1: Well, Superbad was basing it on an homage to, you know, Porky's and 80s movies. So, and, you know, there was just a, an abundance of sex and cursing. So they knew that that was the selling point for that. Mm. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what it is. You know, you, you, these, these pro-typical genre movies are always going to have their, their audience. But when you get something that's a smart and, and a witty type of comedy, it's something that just goes under the radar. A good example is Grandma's Boy. Grandma's boy probably didn't make any fucking money if I remember correctly, but to to I the gaming not. community, you know to a lot of us that appreciate good comedy it's a it's, it's, it's fucking gold, you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: That's how it is. but I think in the next few weeks, you know if I'm able to get my hands on it, I'll check it out.:
3: good deal
1: That's it. Anything else, my friend?
3: No, oh, man. Just want to put my two cents. Say, you're doing a great job on the show and keep it up, man.
1: Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate your call. Anytime. All right. Peace. All right. Let's, uh, have 43 minutes of show left. Um, good old variety. Like I always say every week, always good for a, uh, for a great news story. Uh, It seems that, get this, Anna Faris, Dan Aykroyd, and Justin Timberlake are in talks to join the cast of a live-action CGI Yogi Bear movie. Anna Faris is going to be playing a documentary filmmaker. Dan Aykroyd will be voicing Yogi Bear, and Justin Timberlake will be the voice of Boo Boo. Uh, Where the fuck do they come up with these casting ideas? How is Dan Aykroyd going to be like, hey, boo-boo? It, it's not the same. And, and Justin Timberlake, no matter how nasally he can make his voice, he can never sound like this, Yogi. It, it's not going to work. It, you know, th- I blame this on the fucking Chipmunk movie. The Chipmunk movie made some money, and they were like, all right, CGI, you know, old cartoons, and put them with real people. That'll make us a lot of money. What can we do? Oh, people like Yogi Bear. You know, it's like they did it with Garfield. It didn't make the, the the any kind of money that they wanted. They did it with the Chipmunks while it was cute and a novel idea, not making any money. I mean, where do they come up with this Yogi Bear shit? It, it's, and then it's like the cast just makes zero sense. Anna Farris, Dan Aykroyd, and just, oh, my God. They're, they're fucking insane with, with these ideas that this shit is going to work. Motherfuckers. It's, it's, ugh, ugh. but you know what? Wouldn't be a movie segment without a little talk about Spider-Man four. And it seems that the crew over at mania.com is reporting that Rachel McAdams, uh, you may know her from the wedding crashers as well as the time travelers wife is meeting with Spider-Man four producers to discuss playing the role of the black cat. Um, of course, I think that her playing the black cat it would work. Um, I don't know if she's gonna if she can carry the movie alone as a villain, but I think that her and the lizard would be great uh, roles overall. I think that her adding the dynamic of, you know, just being a chick that complicates Spider-Man life, Spider-Man's life is a plus. And, you know, keeping the lizard in there is key, though, because he really should get a crack at uh, being on the silver screen. Um, in terms of casting people, and, and they may agree, disagree. I think McAdams is a, a good enough actress to play the role of the black cat. You need somebody who has sharp wit because the black cat is good at, you know, just talking shit to Spider-Man. And you need a chick that has some, some acting chops, you know, because there's going to be some, some comedy involved. Just because she's, she's a character that, you know, her, her power consists of, you know, able to jinx anybody who was her opposition. A lot of times, you know, weird things would happen to Spider-Man when he was trying to catch her. And, you know, that was a power that they kind of added and took away in different comic books. It depends on what happens. The fact is that I think that the black cat would translate well onto the screen and would be a good character that, you know, you can add a good amount of backstory but not saturate the whole movie in the character. You know, I think that her and the lizard would be great. I think that the Lizard and Morbius would be good too. I mean, if you want to go a little bit lower scale, you can do uh, Chameleon and Mysterio or Craven the Hunter, I always say. Those are great characters that you can kind of put in there, not as the central focus, but definitely as a number two. Um, if the Lizard is kept as the main bad guy and the Black Cat is thrown in the mix as, 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 a, as a strong number two, you know, villain slash, you know, anti-heroine, I should say, I think that it would be successful, and I think that the casting is key. We'll see what happens and if the rumors are uh, proved to be true within the next few weeks. But I think that this is a step in the right direction, and it will definitely make up for the fail that was Spider-Man 3. Uh, But in a bit of what the fuck, uh, there's a rumor about the Riddler being the main villain in the next Batman movie. Uh, Some of the names that have been tossed around to play him are Eddie Murphy, which I don't think would work, Johnny Depp, which I think would, Larry David, I don't know where the fuck Curb Your Enthusiasm comes into play with fucking Batman, but the newest name is Dane Cook, and the only reason that Dane Cook's name has come up is because he recently did an interview with MTV, and he was saying that if they brought back the Riddler, a new Riddler, the way that they did the Joker, that would be badass, I would do that. When they were making the new one and they were doing the Joker, I always thought it would be kind of like the crow having that dark element but being comedic. I would probably – it would probably have to be something in that vein, even though I think that what Heath Ledger did with the Joker was the greatest comic book villain ever. I don't know about Dane Cook playing the Riddler. I mean, his pockmarked face would be hidden under a fucking mask. But I don't think he has that that sardonic wit that, uh, you know, was carried on by a guy like – you know, the guy that um played the Riddler in the 60s, or even Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's a guy that I always said would have made a better Joker than Riddler character. That's just my personal preference. I mean, Jack Nicholson will always be um, a great Joker for that franchise of Batman movies. And, of course, Heath Ledger is now the measuring stick of all comic book villains. But I think that, you know, Dane Cook is a guy that his his comedic roles... Are what he's known for, and he's not always being successful with them. And by putting him in such a large role, I I don't. I think that the pressure of having to play the character so over the top is going to kill him. And the the Riddler's character isn't over the top funny. You know, he has that he has that sharp wit. You know, he's just like. You know, he, he's a guy that has the, the, the aura of being smarter than you, so that's his selling point. He's not overly funny. I mean, you know, like I said, he has sharp wit, but he's not a guy that, you know, is fucking sadistic. He just You know, he plays his riddles, and he hopes Batman solves them. You know, he's more of a psychological villain, and I don't think Dane Cook can translate that onto the silver screen. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, the Hollywood Reporter put out news of another remake, another one of my favorite movies, the uh, 85 classic Fright Night is going to be remade and it's going to have, you know, the same comedic horror undertone. I think that Fright Night is one of those movies that is, you know, was, was a great eighties flick, um, great popcorn movie. It's a movie that I usually watch every Halloween. Uh, The sequel Fright Night two was equally good. I don't think it was the better of the two, but definitely a great follow-up. Now, You know, once again, we go into the whole thing about remakes and I can say that the remakes are getting really old and, you know, they're going to suck and blah, blah. But Fright Night is a movie that unless you really, really, really try your hardest to fuck it up, you can't really fuck it up. You know, you got the high school kid, his friend, his girlfriend, TV guy, neighbor who's a vampire, goes to TV guy, tells him, I think my neighbor's a vampire, let's find out. Hilarity ensues, the end. You can't fuck that up. I mean, Hollywood can, and of course, they have ways of fucking shit up. But if they keep the core elements of the story in there and do a decently uh, humorous cast, I can see it being successful. I want to stay. Uh, I don't want to be a um, so pessimistic and thinking that it's gonna suck. But uh, I'm just really hesitant, especially with a movie like that whose formula is so simple. But you know, unless I start seeing some more trailers or things of that nature. I will reserve judgment. Uh, props to Michael Jackson, that even now that he's dead, is still cranking in the money. Uh, Michael Jackson's "This is It," has topped 200 million dollars worldwide. The film grows 61 million in North America, and over 140 million dollars internationally. Um, in Japan, it made 27.2, and in the U.K. it made 14.3. So it seems that uh, you know Michael Jackson will be uh, making that money even when he's dead. And of course, Joe Jackson will be hovering over his tombstone to take that money. We'll see what happens. Um, And of course, to close out the movie news for this week, of course, even though Saw 6 didn't make as much money as the previous Saw movies, Lionsgate is going to go ahead and make a Saw 7. Yep, that's right. A Saw 7 will be out October 22nd, 2010, and it will be, get this in 3D. Now, the uh, the Saw franchise to me, you know, a lot of people are going to tell me it's run its course. The Saw franchise, regardless of how much money it makes, they're very cheap movies in terms of production value. You know, the movie is made with a very uh, very low-end budget. So when it's a low-end budget and the movie, you know, exceeds that budget in terms of domestic and, and regular sales, it's going to be one of those things where there it's just... A matter of time before they make a sequel i mean a good example of that is a movie like the punisher with thomas jane uh not a box office hit but good enough that it's that you know it had a high sales volume on dvds that it warranted a sequel of course at the time thomas jane decided to not do it and ray stevenson took over the role and while a lot of people are going to detract from that movie and say that it was shit i think that the overall presentation of the Punisher was as true to the comic book as I've seen in a long time. And that's what's happening with movies like Saw. You know, they're not making an arm and a leg, but if the movie costs two, three, four, five, six million dollars to make, and it makes 50 or 25 million dollars, the movie is successful. It's just the way it is. I think that at the end of the day, you take a movie like Saw, and at some point, it's going to run its course. But when people continue to you know, buy tickets to go see it. And as long as there's a creative storyline, it will continue to have an audience. You know, the same thing happens with Friday the 13th movies. You know, there were, if you go all the way up to Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason Goes to Hell, you know, you basically got nine movies. And the reason that they continued to do them and they didn't go straight to DVD or video at the time was because of the same thing, the ensuing popularity that there was and the necessity for people to continue to go see this particular character. Same could be said for Michael Myers. Same can be said for Nightmare on Elm Street. It, you know, you can even go and say that about a high school musical. As long as people plunk down their money, and the movie makes money either internationally or on in home video, it's always going to be making, it's always going to be the possibility of a sequel. That's just the way things are. But I think at the end of the day, if creativity is allowed to you know to grow in terms of movie you know in terms of filmmaking as well as tv shows too as long as that creativity is there i think that the margin for success is is huge and you know saw uh Hostel Hostel was a good example while the first one made a lot of money the second one wasn't as popular because they kind of overdid it in terms of the, you know, of the use of, of violence and, and gore. Um, and there is going to be a third hostel. but guess what? The third hostel is going, uh, direct to video because it's not being done by Eli Roth. He is going to be involved in it, but he's not going to be as hands-on as he was with the first two. And that's one of the things that, like I said, you know, is the make or break, even though they make money, they are not gonna be. Uh, they're not gonna be one of those things that just that make people want to just give up that money. Hostel was one of those movies that you know had a niche following, made its money, and it kind of died out. Same thing happened with the Blair Witch Project. Same thing is happening now with Paranormal Activity. It's a movie that huge buzz. Uh, you know, people appreciate the simplicity and the genuine fear that it caused. But you know, you can't go and, and make five movies using the same style of filmmaking, because at the end of the day, they are not going to be successful. And, you know, going back to Clash of the Titans and things like that, you know, you, you have these movies that on paper look fantastic, but if they're not written correctly and not showcased correctly, they are going to fail. And in the last bit of movie news, Eminem is going to be coming back to the silver screen with Shady Tales uh shady tales is described as a cross between Creepshow show and the twilight zone it's going to be done by uh dallas jackson who did the movie uncle p and kevin Grivol, who did underworld the film is going to be a 3d project and marvel is involved and they will be doing a four issue spin-off comic book series now the thing is um shady tales eminem of course did a you know he did a fantastic job in eight mile and i think that um he he fits into that horror genre in terms of, you know, if you listen to his music, you know, he can go into that real psychotic and scary place that a lot of us choose not to go to psychologically. And Shady Tales definitely looks like something promising, especially if it's done in that creep show, Tales from the Hood, Twilight Zone style. I think that Eminem is going to be running around. Definitely there will be an appearance of him in a chainsaw with a chainsaw and a hockey mask at some point, because it's one of those things where, You know, a movie like that has tons of potential just on the basis of the right storytelling. Eminem doesn't even need to be in the movie per se, but if it's presented correctly, it will be enjoyable. I enjoyed, you know, Tales from the Dark Side. I love all the Creepshow movies. Tales from the Hood is a guilty pleasure. Uh, Snoop Dogg's horror show, which initially I thought was utter trash, has grown on me. Not just on the basis that, you know... It was a poor man's tales from the hood, but because of the presentation of the stories, the stories tied in. Well, same thing with trick or treat, which I was talking about. I think at the end of the day, you know, Eminem can, can carry something like that. And if it's a project that, you know, it's not too serious and lighthearted, I think a lot of his fans, as well as a lot of mainstreamers that like horror movies are definitely going to check it out. I don't think this is a step in the wrong direction on the contrary. You know, it allows Eminem to work on other projects, which will let him rest lyrically, so hopefully he can continue putting out some decent albums. Besides the fact that Marvel is backing it by putting out some comic books, shows that they are, you know, believing in the project, and, you know, they want to help promote it. I mean, DC is doing the same thing with a lot of their comic book movies coming out in animated form. You know, The Crisis on Two Earths, which I will be discussing next week is going to be coming out, which is their take on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, If you've seen their Green Lantern movies, their Wonder Woman movies, Superman and Batman, you'll see that, you know, those movies, when you have, um, you know, Marvel is good for it and DC starting to catch up, when you have these companies um, involved in projects that are, you know, on paper, not destined to be good, they usually turn out, at least decent. I mean, Iron, Man, Ar- Iron Man's Armored Adventures, which I recently had a chance to see, didn't look appealing to me at first, but it was pretty decent. I think that that's one of the things that you know helps a lot of these movies take off, especially with Marvel backing, um, especially the M&M movie. If Marvel's backing it, I see it definitely having a margin of success. Um, and with that said, I actually think, that that is it for this week. It went by pretty quick. Uh, definitely want to get in a few plugs beforehand. Uh, definitely give a plug to Brooks Macbeth, our guest of, for this evening. Uh, you can check him out on MySpace, MySpace.com, Brooks mcbeth MySpace.com, Brooks the comedian. You can also punch him up on YouTube and see some of his uh, really funny ass skits. One of my favorite is uh, one of my favorites is the one with Bill O'Reilly which made me laugh a lot. And, of course, look for him on Facebook. He'll probably uh, accept your friend request. Like I said, really cool guy. His next gig is December 5th in Dubuque, Iowa. He's going to be uh, opening with Joe McHale. So if any of the listeners are in Iowa, you definitely should check him out. I uh, want to give a shout-out to the crew at VGN Radio for always looking out for me. Cleveland Sports Radio, which I'm surprised I didn't get a call to do a recap of the Fedor and Rogers fight. Check those, guy, those guys out on clevelandsportsradio.net, VGN Radio. Of course, you can hear them on vgnradio.com. And look for either one of those shows on iTunes with uh, special gift appearances by yours truly. Um, definitely want to give a, a shout-out to my boys at Born Stubborn Radio, which um, I've done work with them before. Uh, great cast of guys. Uh, they actually linked to my take radio on their site. Definitely check them out. Good group of guys, really funny. Uh, they actually run the gamut on things that they talk about. I mean, I cover, you know, MMA, wrestling, games, and movies. They talk about movies. They even talk about music, which is something I don't venture into. But if you're a, uh, a metalhead and you like um, any kind of alternative music or what, with an interesting spin on it, definitely check out Born Stubborn Radio. Of course, props to OC Remix, who have been providing music for this week's broadcast. If everything goes according to plan, the crew from OC Remix may be my guests next week. Not 100% yet, but definitely stay tuned to the Facebook fan page or mytakeradio.com to uh, find out those details. Of course, 411 Mania for the news this week, um, MMA Junkie for the MMA news, and Film Drunk for some of the movie news of this week. Definitely want to thank all those guys for their material. Um, In regards to me... The host, you can check me out on Twitter, twitter.com slash akuma25. You can also check me out on MySpace, uh, myspace.com rb19ad. And if you want to support the show and you're on Facebook, look up My Take Radio on the Facebook fan page, uh, show your support and become a fan. And of course, any of the news and goings on that you want to check out, you can head on over to mytakeradio.com. Next week is episode 20. A lot of changes in store. We will also be starting like I said the art contest, and I will probably be trying to iron out the details for the following week's show which should be taking place on Thanksgiving, which I am not going to do because I have to cook, and I'm going to either decide next week to do the show that Wednesday or maybe take the week off. We shall see or play oh, um, an old episode of My Take Radio for you guys to laugh at uh, some of my early work. Nonetheless, we'll be discussing that next week. And with that, you've been listening to My Take Radio episode 19 for Thursday, November 12, 2009. Uh, you can always look us up, mytakeradio.com, or if you're on iTunes, look up My Take Radio, hit, or, hit us with a review, You know, try and give us five stars, please, so we can try and move up those rankings and uh, get a little bit more exposure. Thanks to Brooks Macbeth for calling in and for all you guys uh, showing your support in the chat. And I will catch you guys next week. It's been real. Peace.